0: Is there such a thing as the perfect home from the ground up? That is what we discuss on today's show. If all the birds could fly right now As high as me somehow They could see all the things I've been dreaming of These wings of mine flutter inside They shimmy and they glide Breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork life. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 2.99. Can we believe it? Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. New listeners, welcome. Repeat listeners, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing it on socials and with your friends and family. I always love hearing feedback and I always appreciate the incredible reviews that you guys leave on iTunes and all the other places you can leave them. Um, it's awesome to have you here. Now, today's show is one of those repeat guests where I'm halfway through talking to them for the first time and I'm already thinking this absolutely needs a follow-up and Andy Pace is one such guest. So Andy is a healthy home concierge, he's the founder of the Green Design Centre, and he hosts the Non-Toxic Environments podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, especially after listening to his first show a few weeks back and Today's. Uh, if you're thinking, gosh, there's just so much more I want to talk about, he'll have a whole show on non-toxic paint or a whole show on wood flooring, you know. So that is absolutely the place I want to send you after you're done with today's show, the Non-Toxic Environments Podcast. Um, He's a worldwide expert on green and healthy building products. Uh, His why started uh many years ago when working as a young builder and thinking, hold on, this is toxic and making people sick. And then thinking, is there something else we could use? And that was really a rest is history kind of moment. So he shares that in much more detail. The first show he was on with us a few weeks ago, and I've got the link to that show in the podcast. But what we do today is we are looking at what constitutes a healthy home with good longevity so a good investment as well right from the ground up so terrain block type location position how to choose um if you're if you're building or considering building a home talking about how to choose and work with a team of builders architects Uh, building biologists, uh, we talk about what makes for great foundations depending on building, location, uh, frame use, walls, material, thickness, Um, plaster versus drywall, all that kind of stuff. We talk about EMFs, power lines, internal electrics considerations, especially in the age of the smart home revolution, which is something we would like to steer clear of, and Andy guides us through that. We also talk about solar and um, the interesting uh, idea around if you actually build your home well, you can – avoid having to use uh solar and i mean you know what i'm just going to let andy do the talking on that cuz it was really interesting to me i'd never really um thought more broadly about that subject um but i get asked about solar a lot so it's really interesting to have an expert's take um, Yeah, so finishes we talked more about in the first show, paint, cabinetry, etc. But we do dive into a few different areas there as well. So it's a cracker of a show. If you know anyone who is considering building soon, or if it's you yourself, this is absolutely essential listening. And I'm not speaking lightly when I say that. I really believe it's a very important show. So thanks in advance to share it because you never know who's out there building or considering buying something, even for renters. Look, I'm a renter and I found so much interesting, useful stuff in the first conversation and today's to guide us as we look to move to a more long-term rental after our little teeny tiny escape apartment where we felt well to just take stock for a year after two harrowing years of several house moves. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. We are going to hook up that into that show in just a little second, but I do need to share our two wonderful low-tox sponsors this month because the deals are awesome And the brands and the people behind them are awesome as well. I think, you know, I I say no to a lot of partners and I say yes to people who genuinely come from the heart for the people, for the planet with the work that they do. And the passion that Oz Climate have for producing excellent air purifiers and dehumidifiers uh, really, um, speaks volumes. You know, I just had another DM the other day from someone saying, thank you so much for pointing me in Oz Climate's direction. I spoke to, uh, so and so and, Uh, He guided me through. I had never considered um, the climate that we lived in and needing a specific type of dehumidifier for that, so it was great to be able to speak to someone on the phone and get guidance on not only the size of unit I needed but the type of unit I needed for our home and climate. Um, So get in touch with Oz Climate either via their website. Uh, Your code is LOTOXLIFE for 10% off, and you have that all year this year, right up until the end of December. Um, please don't wait until the next rainy season when they are out of stock of everything to get your dehumidifiers, especially because that happened a lot. I've been harping on about dehumidifiers for years and uh and everyone was finally like, oh crap, I see what you mean. My jackets are going mouldy and that I didn't even have a mold problem. We don't have water damage. It's actually just the intense indoor air humidity from constant prolonged rain. So you might need one uh, preemptively rather than waiting till the poop hits the fan and then everyone being out of stock. Trust me. Uh, and then our second sponsor is a repeat sponsor who was with us a few months ago, and these guys are awesome, a beautiful family-owned business. BioFirst is the company, and I loved hearing that just recently one of the um, products that we promoted for them in their first promotion with us, the health self. Heel Salve won gold in the 2022 Organic Beauty Award Salve category. They won the top prize. Uh, so that's another prize that they've collected. They've actually won a fair few now. Uh, and if you haven't come across BioFirst before, I urge you to because Boy, did we get some game-changing stories from people who shared, uh, you know, issues where, like, they'd had dermatitis for decades, they'd tried everything pharmaceutical, everything natural, and then finally tried uh, the Manuka Skin Saver that we promoted last time. And they were like, oh, my gosh. For the first time in my life, I don't have dermatitis on my fingers. A shout-out to you, Franny, for letting me know about that one. And we got so many more. Uh, my family has found uh, we, my little nephews have a little bit of eczema and it has been a game-changer, finally an effective product. So for BioFirst 1st for the month of September, happy spring or fall, by the way, uh, you have 20% off site-wide for the month of September. Your code is Tox. And best news, American listeners, this is valid for not only Australia but for the U.S. as well. We have special links for you to click through to on our show notes uh, or you can have a look at the link in bio on Instagram as well. We've put them there. Low is your code, 20% off site-wide. And one of the things I adore about BioFirst is you often find in – Um, beauty products or in healing products there'll be one plant active it'll be like made with vitamin c uh, for a high antioxidant boost to heal the skin or you know on and on we could go but they actually have around three or four actives Uh, one of my favorites being milk thistle oil which is extremely healing and calming for the skin Uh, and very, very protective as well. So I think that could be what's giving them the edge, putting so many plant actives in there, really using those ancient ingredients in a modern form that creates a very high-level performance. So I hope you enjoy those wonderful sponsor offers. Thank you to our sponsors as always. And here we go, building a healthy longevity home uh, that's really, really good to you, good to your investment dollars, and good to the planet. Can it be done? Andy Pace shows us how. Andy Pace, part two. Hello. How are Hello. you doing? I am
1: fantastic. <laughs> great to be back.
0: It's great to have you. Uh, we had so many fantastic uh, questions uh, and ideas that came from people listening to the first one, realizations that people were having. And when we were talking in the first show, it was one of those shows that like more and more obvious it became over the course of the show that it would be great to step out from beginning to end how a healthy house is really made um, because we are really struggling around the world to build healthy homes, uh, to protect people's money investments, uh, whether they're owner investors and living in their own home or whether they're property investors, no one wants to lose money on sick buildings. Like, and we're starting to realise that this is a very costly issue and people are getting sick enough in enough quantities of people for governments to have to notice and think, wow, this is actually a big problem. And we're getting a lot more litigation traction, which is fantastic for the people who suffer. Uh, not so fantastic for the people who own the buildings and didn't realise that this was an issue and now are losing tons and tons of their life savings. So it really benefits everyone to build healthy buildings from government healthcare costs right through to someone wanting to live in their own home um, and have that dream. So Should we just start from the absolute beginning? We're driving around looking at vacant blocks.
1: Right. And (laughs)
0: we're thinking that one looks nice. Oh, look, I've got a view there. Oh, I love a valley. No, don't go to the valley. Mm, Um, Where... Um, where would you recommend people start their journey of looking for a healthy home? So in this sense, it could very much be an analysis for someone renting or sure. choosing to buy an existing home, right? To, to have the skill right. of location spotting.
1: Well, you know, part of living in a healthy home is not just the home itself, but the, the area where you're living. Is yeah. it conducive to um, being able to kids to walk to school can you walk to the grocery uh is are there parks nearby um is it or is it in a downtown area uh and and so because that's where you work and that's where you you do your life uh you know so you have to really look at where you're buying or either plan to build or to rent uh really comes down to your lifestyle and what is going to make your lifestyle um not as stressful You know, uh, for me right now, I work a half hour away from where I live, but, um, I am going to be building a home that's only about 15 minutes away. So I can be a little closer to the office in case of emergencies and so forth, but it's actually closer to where I spend my weekends, uh, which is on the lakes and the streams in a kayak, uh, or hiking in, in the, um, Uh, in the hills and so uh, to me the best start of a healthy home is is how does it improve your lifestyle in your life to be where you are so i would look at that first and so then you've got to look at the actual uh, layout of the land itself if you are planning to do something like uh a a passive solar house, and you're taking advantage of sunlight in order to help heat the space. Can you situate the house properly on that piece of land in order to take advantage of that? Uh, and then you look at: Are there high tension power lines around your of uh, the property? Uh, can you bring in a a, a tri field meter and test to see if there are any Wi Fi uh, cell towers? Um, in the area that could affect you inside of the home once it's built, so there's a lot of things to take into consideration. It's not just the home itself, but it's it's where exactly you're living.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And are there any types of um, soils, like terrains, that are better or worse to build on?
1: There are, uh, you know, in all over the world, you're going to get your different types of of soil, whether it's going to be. Sandy or loamy, or it's going to have a lot of clay to it. You know, here in the United States, um, as you go further north, most homes are built with basements because the the soil is conducive to that. Um, good drainage. Uh, you don't have to worry about um, structural rigidity of the home and so forth. As you go further south, Most homes in the South don't have basements. Thank God. (laughs) uh, Right. Slab on grade. And so I can build a healthy home either way, but you need to know what you're getting into in both situations to make sure you do it right. Mm
0: -hmm. And so often these days, it's about building the pretty house and getting it architect designed, not actually considering all of those extra things. That's correct. Uh, and so what's the best way for someone to get guidance from that very basic um, terrain mm. assessment and then building
1: that suits that terrain? Well, of course, I, I like to refer people over to a building biologist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody who is trained in, in uh, looking for these types of things. And if somebody who has uh, an affinity towards um, more of a natural building methods, again, to take advantage of things like passive solar, Mm. Uh, and of course, this really comes down to how deep you want to go into this. Mm. Now, I think that the average person, if you ask them, do they want to live in a healthy house? I, I think 99 out of 100 people will say, well, of course I do. Yeah. All right. How far do you want to take it? Mm, yeah, and... exactly.
0: Well, you can't have that flat roof,
1: but it looks so pretty. It looks so pretty. I love it. And, and, and so... Uh, I mean, I have clients that we literally have to check for um, what's where you know where the 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 ground uh, energy is in their yard because they may not be able to walk in their backyard without getting you know horrible pains in their joints. And wow. so, how how far you want to go with it? And so, I think everybody's going to be a little different, but just know that if you do have specific concerns before you even put a shovel in the ground, you need to find out how that ground works with you and your situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great
0: advice. Thank you. Uh, And so then when we're choosing to lay down the foundations of this house, uh, you know, one of the things that makes people feel very ill very quickly is a house with rising damp, you know, and that tends to be more of the um, like allergies, asthma, respiratory issues uh, from my experience and just speaking to people and, and different uh, things, that I'm sure you've um, noticed as well. So um, how do we prevent that? Is there this a bulletproof a, situation where yeah. we can prevent it?
1: Well, um, actually, no, there isn't. And then, mm. and so, I mean, I wish there was yeah. um, the problem is, is that in any situation where you're, you are building, there could be mechanisms for, for moisture to get into the home. Mm-hmm. Let's say you build um, something extreme. You're building a house on stilts 15 feet above the ground because maybe you it's in an area where that has that's close to the ocean and you have rising ocean waters just in case you build it on these stilts. You still can have moisture building up on the underside of, of that home. And so you have to take precautions in that regard. If you are building a home slab on grade, which is a concrete slab on the the level grade, yeah, uh, you have to make sure to take precautions with using the correct vapor barriers underneath, mm-hmm. uh, making sure you are using uh, concrete that doesn't have um, certain types of admixtures that could cause either initial like problems right away or problems down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that I like co- mo- and concrete cancer and things like that that develop? Yeah, when yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, silica, uh, crystalline silica from the concrete dust. Uh, we use a lot of what's called fly ash in concrete mm-hmm. and fly ash is a recycled material. So it's from an eco-friendly standpoint, it's it sounds really good using recycled content in, in concrete. Mm-hmm. But this is actually the sludge that they scrape from the smokestacks of the coal fired <laughs> energy plants. Wow and they don't know what to do with this stuff and so they put it in concrete and now concrete's become this environmental wonder because it's it's um taking all this garbage and using it for something. Mm, it's well, kind, like
0: burn... kind of like the sorry I have to interrupt you because that is exactly like the form of fluoride that's used in toothpaste it's actually oh, yeah. a toxic byproduct Perfect. that gets exactly. recycled
1: so it feels yeah. like we're doing something good. Exactly right mm. exactly right. And so when you burn coal you expose mercury. Mm. And so now all these concrete slabs that are dusting throughout the years can be releasing little bits of mercury into our air. And so um, that's something to take in consideration as well. And then, of course, you have uh, foundations that are basements. Or, um, you know, here in the States, we do a lot of basements construction. And that's been going on for the last well over 100 years. the The biggest problem is that homes built up to about 90 years ago or excuse me for the first 90 years up to about 10 years ago these basements these lower levels were never designed to actually have people in them Mm. they were designed to house mechanicals and to be a root cellar yeah right and so these basements are inherently damp and yeah and you
0: often end up with the teenager wanting their own space so they get to move down to the basement And have their whole, you know, little setup and then they get sick.
1: And this is where you run into a lot of problems Mm. with existing homes, with rentals, uh, where you do have these lower levels. Even if you're not living in the lower level, you could be in a rental unit that you're on the third or fourth floor. But if there's a basement, if that building was built years ago and was never constructed properly to have a livable space in that lower level you will have humidity issues you will have mold issues mm. it's guaranteed yeah and so you have to design it right from the start it has to be a completely watertight waterproof basement and there are very specific ways to do that and you can achieve it but it has to be included in the design
0: hmm and have you started to see Andy architects and builders to be more receptive to working as a team, learning more about how to protect the health of the building long term? Uh
1: that hopefully that this is starting, right? Right. It, it has started. Uh, you know, up until a few years ago, it used to be sort of um everybody for themselves. And when so many problems start to occur in an industry and they are unrelated yet related problems, right? Uh, Everybody's pointing fingers at each other. Nobody can take the blame. Nobody wants to take the blame. But now I think builders and subcontractors, architects, everybody kind of gets the fact that there's got to be better ways to do this. And there are better ways to do this. And so you do have, For instance, now the contractor that does the foundation, they are starting to promote better quality waterproofing materials. They're telling the builder, you know, you'd be better off if you use this product because down the road, you're not going to get complaints. Yeah, right. And so whether it's a liability issue or they actually really do care about the client Mm -hmm. in either situation, I'm just glad that they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We have I think it's 7 years to contest a build here in mm. Australia. What okay. what kind of time frame is it in the states?
1: Um a lot of it has to do with how the contract with the builders written. Got it. Mm-hmm. And so you know and, and this is where I say with with construction in the United States it's kind of like the wild west is still out here, yeah. you know. Um Well there's a bit so of that many many here houses, too. Yeah. So many houses are built Without any oversight from a an inspector.
0: Yes, we have the same issue for about. Mm. I think it's since. I think it actually changed in this. It's going to be the seventies or the nineties. I it's just I've just lost it for a second there, but where you can actually just have your own buddy who's an inspector come and and my I think I told you this in the last uh, chat we had where my husband was doing um installs for like really beautiful cabinetry that people would hire him for he had a furniture business for a few years and um and he would see these inspectors come in and out in like a minute (laughs) it was like he was absolutely floored that this million dollar house that was built or 500 that you know whatever people spend was approved uh just like that and um I think that's where, where the problem is, really. That's where one of the biggest loopholes lie in terms of well, protecting
1: building health. I I would have to agree with you with that because just based upon the number of phone calls I get from clients all over the world, but specifically here in the States, most of the calls I get that deal with mold issues, severe allergy issues due f- from mold, uh, usually come from the southern states. Uh, or in rural America, where they, there are there is there's no inspector. um matter of fact, what I'll talk to them about was the home built according to code, They'll say, no, there's there's no code. We have no code here. Um, well, technically, there is a code they're supposed to build to, but there's nobody to check it. Therefore, builders cut corners or the homeowner doing the work themselves they cut corners well and, and... now
0: you, you pile on top of that the rising cost of materials
1: oh, exactly. plus the
0: international shortage it is a oh, yes.
1: recipe for disaster it sure is it sure mm. is and so when the question comes up is healthy building more expensive and i know we're jumping way ahead of the uh, of the topic here but this is why I always say, well, if you compare apples to apples, if you compare quality level to quality level, building healthy shouldn't cost you a dollar more, but what are you comparing to? What are you used to? And it really look you know, you look at all these places around the world that aren't using good codes or not using good quality building practices or not using good quality building materials. And they have all these health issues. And, and you sit back and you wonder, why do we continue to do the same thing over and over again uh, but the industry is starting to wake up because of, you know, folks like you who are talking about this, and, and and others around the world who are really pushing the issues. I think people have become a little more empowered to actually start asking questions. Absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> we've we've helped a whole
0: bunch of people not apply for homes that we've been co-visiting at the same time in in open inspections <laughs> over the last couple of weeks because we're 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 going to be moving and. Um, and I'm like, see that, that's water damage. I wouldn't touch this with a barge pole. <laughs> just get everybody out of there. Um, because you I can't, I can't in good conscience just protect myself and not care for the other people that I had the opportunity to educate. Because at this point, for 95% of people, they still just see mold as this annoying thing you gotta clean instead of a health hazard. And that's our number one to not to freak everybody out because the nervous system implication is also a very real issue with environmental toxins and how we mentally respond to them. But at the same time, I know it's usually my body that tells me I'm in mold before my mind knows it's in mold and I'll go, okay, now I have to look
1: for it. Where is it? And then, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. So. That is tough. I was um, actually just touring a bunch of new homes in the last week, uh, our local builders association does a parade of homes every year and they have uh-huh. 20 or 30 build, local builders put up their homes. And one of them, this is actually an interesting story, built by the the builder, the the second largest um, green home builder in the state. Mm-hmm. So they all the homes they built are built to uh, energy efficiency codes and so forth. Ooh, okay. Yeah. But they don't actually build their homes healthy. Mm, that's it. I walked into the home, instantly smelled mold. Yeah, brand new home. Everybody's um, yeah. walking around, commenting how wonderful it is, and so forth. I smelled mold instantly. Uh, go down in the basement, and uh, they must have had a water issue during construction because all the joists above they had spots of mold on them. And it's you know they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be the best. Mm. of the green home builders. And yet they don't even recognize the problem they have in their own homes.
0: Well, because their only picture of success metric is saving energy. We have to have a more comprehensive picture of success. Yeah, Uh, that's, you're exactly
1: right. There is no metric of health Mm. and there really can't be because everybody is a little different. Mm. And so, you know, you you could say, all right, um, zero mold spores in the house. Well, that's hard to do, too, because, you know, mold is, is a be of line as well. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, then you have a certain amount. Well, everybody's threshold is a little different. Yeah. And so it's hard to say what is um, that level we're trying to achieve.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's it. Um, OK, so choosing a builder or an architect would you say that one of the best things you can do is to say are you open to working with a building biologist and if they're a flat-out shutdown then that's the big red flag and you don't choose that person
1: pretty much i i think the question that that is you know are you willing to work with any type of consultant that can offer any assistance Mm. and if if a any good quality builder who is very confident in their own abilities will say, Of course, yeah, of course, because good quality builders are always looking to learn as mm. well. Mm. The ones that will tell you, I've been doing this for 30 years, I know what I'm doing, <laughs> avoid, avoid, avoid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, and so, case in point, I'm working with a local builder myself. My wife and I are in the design process of building a new healthy home. And, we hired an architect. Uh, we got a design. The builder, I know I'm actually working with him on other projects right now, but he's a custom home builder. He's not a healthy home builder. He's a custom home builder that takes really good advice mm-hmm. and 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 does something positive with it. Uh, during the process of going through the drawings with the architect, he started pointing out things that he noticed, well, we should probably do this because I know Andy's not going to want that. Mm. And we should probably, and so he's getting, he's learning yeah. and he's evolving. Um, Anytime, and I mean, that's the old, the old adage, you know, that when you, once you stop learning, you're, you're, you're dying. Mm. And so he's still learning and he loves it. Yeah. So uh, you need to find that builder and that architect who's willing to work with somebody else to, to not to tell them what to do, not to tell them how to do their job, but to give some advice on maybe some things they're not um, an expert in. Mm, absolutely.
0: Now, I, I feel like I just want to go back to foundation for a little sure. minute because in my head, I was just thinking, did I really understand what we needed to do there? And then I thought, no, I've still got some gaps in my own learning, mm-hmm. which means people listening will be like, why didn't you talk more about the foundation?
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> and so <laughs> um, we talked about basements quite heavily and, um, and assessing different terrains. Um, we don't want to build our foundation on a slope if we can
1: possibly help it, right? Yeah, building a foundation, a slope um, can lead to uh, problems because of obviously water getting in the basement from one side. Uh, This is why in a lot of those situations, if you did want a lower level, uh, the builder and the architect will start to advocate for doing what's called an exposed basement. Mm -hmm. So you don't have water uh, pooling up in that low spot. Absolutely,
0: and uh, are you a fan of like stilts and building slightly off the ground? Ventilation under the house Mm.
1: Mm. again, kind of depends. You know, I I, the one thing that is that is one hundred percent true is there is no building method that. Uh, is resistance to problems, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, for instance, if you did build it with what's called like a crawl space underneath, that can be an open crawl space where it's completely ventilated. Maybe even, you know, you can see through it. Then you can do a completely enclosed crawl space where you are putting vapor barriers down. The only way air gets in and out is through mechanical ventilation. A lot of that has to do with the climate you're building in. Is it really hot, really cold, um, you know, what type of um, insulation can you put on the underside? So again, just making sure you're looking at the right method for the the situation that you find yourself in. Um, there are ways to do all of those in a much healthier manner.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And so once you're empowered to know the options, then you talk to your builder and your architect about where you are building. And then exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then so the framing. How
1: do we do that well? Right. So we are used to here wood framing. Mm-hmm. Um, two by six construction is, uh, with wood is probably the most um, common way to build homes now. Um, two by six construction lends itself for a cavity of about five and a half inches for insulation. And whether that is formaldehyde free fiberglass, um, uh, mineral wool, um, spray foam, which I don't like. <laughs> so, uh, there's no such thing as a healthy spray foam. Um, but you know, when you're doing this type of construction, th- there tends to be a lot of small gaps that eventually air will get into the cavity wall, and when air comes in, moisture comes in. So you've heard that saying that um a home needs to breathe or a wall needs to breathe. So my comeback is, The home doesn't need to breathe. The occupants in the home need to breathe. The home should be as airtight as humanly possible. And so uh, if you are doing traditional uh, wood stick framing, then you need to do what's called air barriers. Uh, Anywhere there's a wood on wood connection on the outside of the framing, we are actually putting in almost like a caulking material or or a high performance tape. That seals those gaps so you don't get more uh, water, air coming in, bringing moisture in with it. Uh, By doing that, by using better types of insulation, um, by using better doors, better windows, now this frame of the home, this enclosure uh, is not only energy efficient which is, of course, great for many reasons. But I think more importantly, you are only bringing in air and moisture where you want to bring air and moisture in. And that's going to be in through your ventilation system, your HVAC system. Because, I was going to say, because any any of those penetrations that aren't taken care of during the construction process is what will lead to mold problems down the road. Mm, Got it.
0: And do you have a favorite pick for insulation?
1: Um, I do. I think so for the average client that is doing, um, they're trying to, you know, stay within a budget and so forth. I use um, what's called a blown-in blanket system. Uh, Blown-in blanket system is a formaldehyde-free fiberglass that is in um, not in bat form, but in blown form, little bits and pieces. But you put up a mesh on the inside of the wood, um, and then you blow the insulation into this like, cavity that's created. And it's actually, if that is done along with the air barrier, you get about the R value of spray foam insulation, but without the off-gassing.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So from a budget standpoint, that's the one I do. If, if you have a little more at your disposal, I like mineral wool. I mm-hmm. really like that as an insulation.
0: Okay. And mineral wool is, what is that? I've never heard of that
1: before. (laughs) Yeah. Mineral wool is, um, it may be called rock wool. Um, it is actually, um, rock, natural rock that gets molten down and then spun into fibers. So, you know, um, fiberglass is sand glass and, um, sand glass and mineral oil rock wool is um, it doesn't use sand or glass. It uses a certain type of, of, um, of rock that gets molten down and and current. And so the beauty of that product is um, it's completely unaffected by moisture and, and has fantastic fire resistance and fantastic sound deadening. So it's really a superior insulation method um, to a fiberglass product, but it is more expensive.
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it. So many things to consider, but with knowledge comes empowerment and, um, you know, getting it right. So that's, it's really great to go through that. Thank you. Um, so shall we talk exterior? Like, I mean, I'm looking at what one would think is a stunning building. I lived in one myself, which was when I was my sickest, the fastest, cement kind of, um, kind of box. (laughs) That's probably how I would describe it. And I'm sitting in my very old little apartment of double brick um, where I feel fantastic. Uh, Do those two things tell a story?
1: They certainly do. It all comes to how the wall or what the wall is constructed with and how moisture enters or leaves the, the livable space, yeah, because the building's so, going to get wet, right? It's about yeah, how well it dries. Exactly, and does it dry to the inside or does it dry to the outside? Mm, and key. that's that's the key. And so, a double brick, uh, essentially, you have uh, either an air gap in between, or you have what's called a um, uh, a rain screen or a rain barrier. Essentially, it's a mesh material that that gives you that air gap. Mm-hmm. But if moisture does get behind the brick, it goes down mm-hmm. in, into the foundation around the home. It doesn't go into the home. Home. Yeah. Um. So you have that protection. A, a cement block building, even if it's painted, eventually you're going to get voids in the paint. It's going to crack. It's going to peel. And moisture will get in it. And what happens is um, moisture will go to, to the path of least resistance. And that's either going to go into the house, which is usually what happens. Or if it goes, if it comes back out because the sun's baking on that, that elevation of the home and that moisture vapor essentially gets excited and wants to come out, well, it's going to take the paint with it and it's going to peel the paint off. (laughs) And now more moisture gets in. It's kind Mm. of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it really comes down to what that material is. And so, I like any any type of exterior material whether it's brick stone um cultured stone which is a man-made stone product um even like um the the wood cement plank siding mm-hmm. provided that there's an air gap between the siding itself and what's called the sheathing which is the wood material behind or uh, what's on the exterior of the house before your siding. Yeah. If the siding, whatever that is, and the sheathing are touching, mm-hmm. any moisture that gets through will wick into the house.
0: Yeah. We don't want that.
1: We don't want that. No, no. thank you.
0: <laughs> okay. And so in terms of like, I, I'm going to ask you because you're in the process of doing this right now, what walls are you going to have?
1: Mm, yeah. So,
0: Have you decided? Maybe not.
1: I think we have decided. We really were, we wanted to do what's called insulated concrete form. Where you use a, um, it's almost like a hollow block that you build your block wall like a Lego house. And then you fill that core with concrete. That really is one of the healthiest ways of construction. The downside to this is the cost, the availability of materials right now. Um, and the lack of available skilled laborers who know how to work with that type of construction. It's very, very (laughs) specialized. Lucky you know a guy. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) However, uh, we have decided to do traditional stick frame. And then on the outside, we're doing a combination of brick and stone. Mm -hmm. And um, again, we will make sure we'll have that, what's called that rain barrier, that moisture barrier that will allow for that gap to make sure there is no touching uh, and there's no wicking into the house.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. Thanks for taking us through that. Um, What kind of a roof? Let's talk roofs. How do we choose? There are so many pretty modern looking houses these days being built that look kind of like Jetson's pads, like all very flat (laughs) and, um, uh, and kind of futuristic, a lot of color bond being used.
1: Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. Well, you know the, the nice thing about what I do is I don't necessarily have to convince people on aesthetic. I convince them on health of the occupant and value for what they are what they are doing. Roofing material, from a human health standpoint, is I don't want to say it's irre- irrelevant because. You know, a, a, a traditional asphalt dimensional shingle probably has to be redone in a minimum of 15 to 20 years. And if you don't if you don't redo it in time, that can lead to moisture damage in in the house because of water leaking through Um, a metal roof, which is much more contemporary looking, far more expensive. Um is gonna last 80 to 100 years before you ever have to touch it. So again, quality of life, peace of mind, these are all healthy home attributes. And if you can afford a roofing material that is five to six times the cost of the asphalt, I'd say definitely go for it um, because it will keep your home drier longer.
0: Mm. And if you're considering passing it down to your kids,
1: exactly, uh, which a lot of people do, then that's and really from a, from a resale standpoint, it's mm. going to have a higher resale value because now the next owner won't have to automatically plan for that in the next few years. Yeah. So, there is some definite benefit to going to the better quality. You you could also go with you could go a slate, you can go with the the slate-looking reclaimed materials. Um these are all designed to be you know, forty to sixty year roofs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen some slate roofs now that are two hundred years old, and they're still holding up just fine, provided that they're maintained. Yeah. But again, you get what you pay for. Yeah. And so, you kind of have to choose good, better, and best. What fits in your budget, knowing that from a human health health standpoint in direct contact, none of these products will be problematic because mm. if the, if it's installed properly, if the attic is, is insulated and ventilated properly, you won't have to worry about off gassing issues inside of the home. Mm. But from a water intrusion standpoint, longevity standpoint, mold, so forth um, the more expensive, longer lasting products are, are worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of people seem to be kicking off the tiles and installing a color bond steel roof, the insulation under that. And I've seen there are a few comments starting to come out from building biologists around sweat of the metal roof and then uh, mold growing on insulation. Have you found that to be a problem as well? Um, is there a form of insulation people should be considering with these sorts of roofs?
1: Well, Um, Yes, and and yes, both those questions. Um, Anytime you are building with metal on the outside of a structure, it can lead to condensation issues because of um, thermal bridging. So it is, you know, warm inside of the home, cold outside, condensation, right? If you don't have a thermal break. Vice versa, warm outside, cooler inside condensation. Um, so provided that the the home is designed for this type of structure. So there's proper thermal breaks um, and then the type of insulation. I, I, this is another good use for the mineral wool insulation because it's unaffected by moisture. But you have to consider what happens when moisture does get through it if there is condensation um so there are ways to to um construct to eliminate this the biggest issue is making sure you have good ventilation and so i think a lot of times when people will take off an old roof and put on a new one and they'll do one of these newer technologies they're not taking consideration other things like is the was the home designed for this new technology and What's going to happen if if it doesn't have good ventilation? Well, if that attic doesn't have good ventilation, you'll have warm, sticky air in the attic stuck up there. And eventually, if it's cold outside and those two surfaces hit, you're going to have in, uh, condensation, and that will lead to dripping inside of the house. Wow. Uh, yes, that does not sound very appealing. No. <laughs> so <laughs> this is where you have to bring in not only a roofing contractor, but maybe a, an architect, uh or a, a, even a building biologist who's who's skilled in in construction mm. to make sure that there's proper ventilation so this doesn't happen. Yeah, of course.
0: And eaves I'm I'm noticing a trend where the, like it's really hard to see an eave in a newly constructed home. Right. Are, are these useful protective they seem like they are because they keep a bit of moisture off the the walls of the house.
1: Well, they're 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 Helpful for a number of reasons. Number one, um, it is good to have an eave so that you can also have ventilation into the into the uh, underside of the roof, because you have these soffit vents that allow air to come up and go across the top the underside of the roof. So that's good. It helps to shade the home from a standpoint of heat gain uh, through windows. It shades the house from, uh, say, from from moisture um, if there is a, any leak in the roofing material itself um chances are before it gets into the house it'll probably start dripping down and away from the house on from the underside of the roof first and so there are some benefits yes and in building a home that's more contemporary with the flat roof with with very with little you know little pitch you have to rely on what are called like um roof scuppers or roof drains to drain the water away And now you're talking about, well, these roof drains are actually coming down through your house, in a in a wall somewhere. You know, they're buried in the wall. But I know from experience of working in commercial construction, they all leak, they all leak at some point because of gasketing, because of of um, debris from trees getting stuck in the in the um, in the drain itself on the top of the roof. So if you're not maintaining these, they will lead to problems. You know, uh, I live in, in Wisconsin, uh, which is the home of Frank Lloyd Wright.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah,
1: a famous architect who was famous for his flat roof designs. Mm-hmm. And I, I might get some hate mail on this, but just about every Frank Lloyd Wright design flat roof leaked. Yeah. They were beautiful, mm. but they leaked. <laughs> That's so, the thing.
0: We have to, yeah. again, we have to broaden our definition of what Success
1: looks like. Exactly. Exactly right.
0: Yeah. And I I think of um, developing a a gluten intolerance in my um, adulthood. And initially I was like, but everything that tastes good, I'm not going to be able to eat. And that was like (laughs) my mentality. But now, I don't see gluten and think I wish I see gluten and think, Oh gosh, no, that's going to make me feel awful. (laughs) And so it's not beautiful or desirable anymore. And I think, you know, really broadening our definition of a great beautiful building also being a healthy one means what we see as beautiful then changes.
1: Well, I, I love the way you put that because, you know, I look at with, with our clients, Sometimes you've got to change your perspective. You've got to change your expectations Mm. of of what you think you're going to be getting or what you're looking at. Um, I had a client in my showroom just uh, recently who was replacing the entire floor of her home because she no longer, well, a number of reasons, water damage, so forth. And she really doesn't like the old style that her flooring has. She wants to make her home look a little more modern. Yeah. The problem is she keeps on going back to the fact that nothing new looks like her old floor. Mm-hmm. And she uh. can't make a decision because I just can't find anything that looks like my old floor. But you don't want your old floor, you said. Mm-hmm. She's, she has to change her expectations. She has to to um, kind of open up to you know what else is out there. And that's very, very hard to do for people. They have to get out of their comfort zone a little bit yeah um, but you know, once you do, you find yourself wondering why didn't I do this twenty years ago? Mm. because there's so much more that we can do. So and the same more. thing is yeah. true with with healthy building. healthy building, healthy design uh, architects and designers for years have been telling me there's just not enough choices uh with with the materials that are healthy that's completely false. There are plenty of choices. It's just that you need to open yourself up to looking at these things. And once you do, you'll find that you'll never need to look at the other stuff again.
0: Mm. Yeah. We've got to stop also comparing it. It's like, Oh, but it still doesn't look exactly like that. Yeah. So true. Um, so I want to talk about EMFs, power lines, smart homes, um, because a lot of people uh Unfortunately, through health conditions, whether it's palpitations, um, I know a building biologist who became a building biologist and then started our environmental sciences college here in Australia, Nicole Bilsma, because of a long-term infertility miscarriage issue that turns out was caused by the smart meter. And the minute they moved bedrooms, they were pregnant and it was not a problem. Um, and so uh, this is not to freak people out who've never heard of the connection between um, modern power and, um, and, uh, and health issues. But, you know, if you're in a position to uh, rent a new place or build a new place and you can keep an eye out for these things and, uh, you know,
1: it's a great thing to do, right? It is definitely. And, you know, and, and on top of everything you said about it, too, we're finding that uh, electromagnetic fields or you know, electromagnetic magnetic radiation is also now um, causing bigger and bigger mold problems in homes. Yes. Too. And, and, and can s-
0: you explain the science behind that? Because it's very <laughs> new. It's quite bizarre. I wish I,
1: I wish I could explain it in a way that made sense to people. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that. Um, it has to do with the um the you know everything that's living has a certain vibrational quality to it mm-hmm. and it's it mold and you know fungus in general um responds positively to a certain um a certain um what am I trying to think of, of a certain frequency? range of, of frequency. Mm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> and a certain frequency and it actually uh, causes it to grow faster, grow, grow thicker and fuller and so forth. And so um, this science is very new. It's an in infancy stage, but I believe that just from the people I talk to who have sensitivities to mold, they, you know, a lot of them will actually reduce their symptoms if they get away from the EMF issues that they're mm. having. Yeah. And there there is a definite correlation there. Um, and it, it also could be how mold affects the body or affects the brain and essentially affects the brain to the point where now it makes it more susceptible yes. to the damage caused by electromagnetic blood brain barrier, for example. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, um, whether you're building or, or renting, uh, it's always good to look for, um, dependent on your sensitivities or whether you're just trying to find the healthiest possible. If you can find places that, you know, maybe they don't have really good cell reception, that's probably good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Absolutely. <a> good
0: <laughs> oh, I can, I can definitely attest to. You know, I went through all of our ERMI reports with a recent um, guest, Michael Rubino. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. know each other. Mm-hmm. Great guy. And, um, and I thought, wow, I had never thought to get someone in to, and because I've done so many ERMIs with all of our issues, how great to step through these different homes, talk about what they were like and talk about the kind of mould that was there, the worst, highest mould Readings uh, and it was Ketonium, which is basically as bad as Stacky. Um, was where we moved. We thought it was going to be our dream home. I started feeling so unbelievably neurologically compromised in such a short space of time. It it actually blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm this sick. Um, less panic because at least this time around, I knew it was building related, um,
1: sure. which
0: was, I guess, a silver lining, but we yeah, were yeah. 80 meters across from, uh, hidden cell towers that we did not know were there when we moved wow. in. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we thought it was oh, like boy. a laundry thing above sure. a building, which a lot of those, um, apartment
1: buildings have like a laundry block upstairs. Well, and, and this is the biggest problem with the, with the 5g type, yeah. um, cell services that they're very small and they could be hidden very easily onto the sides of buildings the sides of water towers um inside of other structures and you wouldn't know it uh one of the things that i've always thought of and i i don't know i'm sure somebody has done research on this because we do know that uh, electromagnetic fields created by wiring can be carried down water lines right so one of the one of the um um, rules in construction is in order to avoid electromagnetic fields from wiring is to never cross your water lines with your power lines because you don't want the water line to carry that field down. Mm. So if you have five G attached to a water tower, oh yeah, what happens to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've never seen anybody study that, and it just always makes me wonder: Does the water also carry with it now? Um, you know, a a, a a microwave from that 5G. We hmm. don't, don't know. I don't think our water filters know how to uh, well, filter well, that out yeah, yet. Exactly. Um,
0: it'd be an interesting thing, and this is why um, technology is amazing. Look, there's just so many. Here we are talking across the world, able to educate people. Like, there's so many great things. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to wind the clock back to a time where we couldn't do that, but at the same time. Do we not need to start applying history a little more wisely where look at everybody, you know, running around with radium treatments and look at everybody using lead pencils uh, and all the issues it caused after the fact? Like, can we not design
1: with after the fact in mind? Are we not clever enough to do that yet? Well, I think we're clever enough. I think the downside is, is that we are, as a people, I think we're too greedy. Yeah, uh, we want it all. Innovation
0: and, is such a driving
1: force in humanity as well. Yeah, it is. If you look at the last hundred years and life expectancy, how it's improved so much over the last hundred years, but now it's plateaued. Mm. Um, the plateau is because of, I think it's we are innovating ourselves to a point of, of um, you know, uh, illness, illness. Yeah, and yeah. now people will say, of course, but we'll the, we'll find we'll find ways to heal from that too. Yes, of course we will, but I think we're smart enough to realize that the way to remove that is, or may way to get rid of It's just not have it in the first place. We Mm. know things that are dangerous for us, but you know, the, the, um, the, the human um, drive is to always innovate, always do better, always do more. And, Mm. you know, it's, it's up to a lot of us to just push back on that and say, all right, well maybe, Maybe this is enough. Maybe we don't have to live to be two hundred years old. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Uh, Yeah, well,
0: let's do ninety really well. Like, what would the world look like if we could just do ninety well? That again, it's about changing the metric. Like, we don't want to just be alive. Yes. We want to be well. I'd much prefer to have 90 cracker years um, right. than 110, where the last 20 I've got every disease under the sun and yeah. being managed by 50 pills. Heck, we've got 30-year-olds who are in that
1: situation right now. Yes. So yes. yeah. Again, it's changing all, it's the all success about, metric. Right. It's about quality, not quantity. You know, and that's kind of the whole concept sort of behind healthy building. It's about um living in a space that may not be as big as you wanted it may not be um as absolutely beautiful as you wanted but let's make it healthy let's make it um, comfortable uh there's a type of of construction designed called stupachaveda uh if you if you know about vastu and and um you know um, principles of vastu and and uh you know, the the um, yoga is is a form of, of Vastu. It's a, um, a form of Vedic medicine. And um, the architecture and construction called Sipacha Veda, I have some clients who kind of got me into this many years ago. And I, I learned one a number of rules, but one of the rules that stuck in my brain, and I use it almost every single day with customers, is um, every corner of every room should bring you bliss. And and the meaning is, don't build a gigantic home if you can't afford to finish it. Build a small home, live in a small space, uh, but understand that everything in that space you didn't have to cut corners um, to just to have us have a couch in there. You were able to maybe buy a smaller couch, less ostentatious, but it's also non toxic and functional. You know, and so. It's hard, it's hard to really embrace that theory because, you know, friends have things that are larger and friends have things that are more colorful and and so forth. Well, again, you have to look at what's important in life, quality over quantity. And 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 so I think that that really resonates its way through all of, um you know, healthy living.
0: Mm. Um, from our first show, uh, it was such great timing given where we're out there looking at places right now. Uh, And I saw in an ad this week for a place that looked really lovely and definitely worth inspecting, and one of the points is, is going to be freshly painted, like by the time you move in kind of thing. Mm. I called them up. I was like could you just hold off on that until we take a look? Cause if we want it, we will paint it ourselves. Thank you very much. We would love to do that. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And then, you know, of course I, I took us off topic. I apologize, but you know, in talking about all the different phases of construction, whether you are building or remodeling uh, or, 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 excuse me, building remodeling or renting, um, that is a great point. If they just painted, if they just put in fresh carpet, uh, these are things you want to stay away from. You actually want to look at places where you know, I don't want to say the building's run down, but maybe it's a little bit older. Maybe some of the interiors are a little bit older, a little more outdated, but if they're in good condition, uh, those actually can be the healthiest ones to live in because if they weren't replaced... It's it's either because um, they're just really good quality, uh, you know, and that's usually the reason why. And the owner just doesn't want to pay for it. But a lot of times when things are done right before somebody moves in is because they're trying to cover up yeah. a problem. I see you. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm never falling for that again. Right. Um, okay. So can we talk briefly about um, smart homes? Yes. Is this something we really want to move away from? Like, just stop it before it goes everywhere?
1: I really wish we could stop. it. I think the problem is that the younger generations now kind of rely on this stuff. Mm, And because, you know, um, I I don't know if you see this. I see this on a daily basis. All these advertisements for these uh, appliances now oh
0: right like you, can, you don't the have de-humidifier to know humidifier can be linked to your right. phone You're yeah. just like right.
1: i don't need that yeah. i'm good <laughs> right and so there's these there's these new appliances now where you you just turn it on and you tell the appliance what you're cooking and it automatically sets it to a certain temperature for a certain amount of time it lets you know on your phone when it's done it's because the younger generations and it's 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 no it's not their fault. It's just because of the way we are in this world now. They have not learned to do these things uh from scratch. And everything has become easier and quicker and faster. Uh, you know, and and, and they don't need to know the basics. So um they don't need to know to look for uh well, when does my water softener need more salt? Well, no, they're, they're late waiting for the app on their phone to tell them yeah, I'm low on salt.
0: <laughs> wow! Okay. Well, and then there's like I I wrote a chapter in my first book, the inconvenient uh, truth about convenience. That's great, right? Like I love it's, it. It's you. You just have to take a step back and go, "What's the downside here?" Whoa, whoa! The downside right. is we don't actually connect to the natural world for, uh, you know, creating our food from scratch mm-hmm. and fresh. Uh, right. Another downside is all the smart technology yes, um, and, uh, and a lot of additives and a lot of corners cut. It's kind of like the cheap building in your yeah. dinner plate.
1: It really is. And a lot of times the smart technology is not necessarily even for, for your uh, advantage. It the smart technology for a lot of this equipment now, especially for things like, televisions and uh, HVAC equipment is so that the factory can troubleshoot if you're having problems. So they don't have to send a technician to your home to look at it the old fashioned way. They can actually just plug in through the internet and find out what's going on. And so for their convenience, um, you're the one has to live with all of this fi flying around your house 24 seven. So whenever I'm helping a client out, we talk about this and we'll say, well, if you get a piece of any type of electronic equipment that has Wi-Fi, make sure it's something that you can turn off, not just, um, not, uh, um, uh, hook up to the, 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 um, wifi in your home. If it's still on, it's always still pinging, looking for a connection. You need, be able to disable it unplug it take the power away from it so it's no longer in play that's the only way to get rid of that and unfortunately every manufacturer that i know of now um sans some of the really old-fashioned um uh range tops cooktops and so forth they're all incorporating this because they think that this is what the public wants
0: Mm. yeah that's it and it's like a feature you know we right. in in marketing 101 you learn features and benefits and how oh, to yeah. communicate those and sure, sure. and in in marketing broadly what we are often doing is creating a problem people didn't know they have and then selling exactly. the solution
1: exactly you are you are telling them that wouldn't it be great that if you could you're on your way home and through an app on your phone you could turn the lights on so there's lighting available when you pull into your into your garage mm Well, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't care about that. I don't care about it now. But they're creating this problem that, like you say, that they don't have. Nobody Mm. really cares about that (laughs) unless you tell me I should worry about it. Well, now I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, maybe I should have lights on because – you know, is it a, a security issue? Do I Yeah, they put fear on? in
0: the mix. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, yeah, no, that'll scare them off.
1: And right, mm. right. so, yeah, <laughs> we need to resist those urges for sure.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Now, the solar is kind of a natural extension from uh, what yes. we were just talking about and mm-hmm. not as bad as is made out to be.
1: I don't think it, it's as bad as it made out to be. But You know, the biggest question I get with my clients is, will solar you know, energy being collected on the roof, is that going to give off all these EMFs as it's coming down to where your batteries are? And the first easy answer is no, because that's direct current. Um, typically, you're going to get your electromagnetic fields coming off of alternating current. Um, however, that has to be converted into alternating current in the house, right? So you have to be very careful with uh, the types of um, inverters you buy um, and where they're located. You know, don't locate them right next to the master bedroom. Yeah. Um, if you, or can the kids' bedroom them, for
0: that matter. Right? Yeah, mm.
1: exactly. Any bedroom, put them in a garage, put them in an yeah, outdoor. Yeah, that's in what in I always can. say. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, then it comes down to is it cost effective? And, you know, this all, would would be based on pricing uh, if if your local municipality or, or governmental body gives you any rebates for installing things like this. You know, generally speaking, if you were to pay for solar power on an existing home, the payback period is about 20 to 25 years. If you were to pay for 100%. So your energy savings in 25 years would pay for the upfront cost of installing solar. So it's a long time. And now think to yourself, are you going to be in the house for 25 years? Um, is the warranty on the equipment that long? What happens, it breaks down in 10 years and the warranty is only seven years. Um, so we ever recoup that cost? So you got to look at that. You have to then factor in, of course, the rebates and the incentives that that we are given and some of us are given. Um, but all those are are taken into consideration. From a standpoint of longevity, though, I think in that type of technology is just inevitable that it's going to be part of everyday um, construction. Uh, There are, there are places here in the United States where it's mandated that all new homes have to have um, some type of a, a solar or wind power um, that have to have, you know, electric car charges installed. Uh, And I think that where it makes sense this will become the norm Uh, where it still doesn't make sense because of the climate, the environment that you're, you're building in. I think eventually, you know, technology will improve and it it may make sense. Um, And as we move along, I think those payback periods are getting lower and lower. And um, you know, so I, I guess I look at it as if you have, if you have the resources to do it, it certainly doesn't hurt from a standpoint of human health. Um, and it may help the bottom line just a matter of time.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, something that we spoke about offline was looking at your total budget and where you want to put your energy saving into. So yes. maybe for you, it's going to be the triple glazed windows and the, the better walls and insulation yeah. um, is going to yeah. make more sense than the solar for you for that project
1: exactly you know i was told years ago when i first started learning about what's called passive house mm. uh, which is a, a method of construction to build the the home so incredibly tight you could literally heat the home with a hairdryer mm. and i've been involved <laughs> a, a couple of those projects now and that is true you're putting your money into the wall assembly the windows the insulation, the roofing materials. Basically, you're building your house better mm. and you don't need extravagant methods uh, of heating and cooling the home because exactly. the home is just built yeah. better, There was which a, means sorry it'll last longer.
0: Mm, exactly. We stayed in a, a passive house uh, to experience it from some local builders. I was very curious. And there was one little reverse cycle air conditioning unit in the wow. kitchen For a four bedroom home that did the whole house. I was blown away. It was
1: incredible. That is just fantastic. And I, Mm. I think truly that's the best. If, if someone were to ask me, what should we put all of our efforts into in the next 20 years? um, Whether it's new technologies, you know, solar and so forth, better building methods. Mm. Build this, just build the darn structure better. Mm. And it lasts longer, it costs less to operate. And then, as you said earlier, if you wanted to pass it down into your children, it's it's still gonna be standing. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is the cost of operating a passive house. If you put if you put most of your efforts into the building materials themselves, the hard items going in, and spend less on your your exotic heating and cooling systems like solar and geothermal and so forth, which are very, very expensive, mm. those things break down over time and they cost a lot to operate. Yeah. To maintain a built, home that's yeah. built better doesn't cost any more yeah. to maintain down the road. So I think th- it's just a better investment, but it's from a standpoint of marketing, mm. it's just not as sexy in mm. the marketing world as solar and wind and geothermal and because yeah, uh, it's shiny it's new Floridian. stuff <laughs> yeah exactly it's build shiny. better it's... walls
0: is a yeah, really yeah. tough sell
1: <laughs> right it is it is you know build a home like they used to build in the 1500s where it's built built with a foot and a half thick of of stone or or, or concrete oh right um,
0: yeah I, I like so my um family in france they have this little old uh, 13th century castle sounds uh, super extravagant wow. it's not it's a very simple sure. old school structure huge solid wood beams inside mm-hmm. I am fine there and this place wow. is like what a, uh, oh I can't even a 900 years old it's and beautiful I have no mold issues there see it's just yeah
1: again to your point before can we please take the lessons of what we already know mm. and and now move forward with that i always say the Colosseum in rome was built two thousand years ago and it's still standing today <laughs> yeah you no know, um, what can we learn from time, that mm. the last time i was in italy i stayed in a in a hotel which is essentially a villa built in the in the 14th century and um it was perfectly fine and it's still standing today it's still operating as a as a viable hotel mm. um, The oldest building built In the United States that still stands Was built in the 1600s mm. But you can't walk in it Because it's, it's falling apart Yeah, uh, Because it's built out of wood Mm. Um, so that's why I like concrete construction, stone, things that last and, you know, stand the test of time. Yeah. Uh, but we just need to do a better job of, we know technology, we know how to put it together better now. And so maybe we can combine all these, you know, old and the new and create something that's just healthy. I love it.
0: Now in our first chat, we talked a lot about finishes, so we can leave that today. And I want to send you guys Back to show number one a few weeks ago with Andy for, um, you know, choosing cupboards and and all of those kinds of things. But today we did not talk about dry walls or the the internal walls that we're going to live close to. So I'd love to finish on that. Do you have any advice?
1: I certainly do. So, in again, years past, we used to use old-fashioned methods like plaster, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a a, a thin trowel on cement-like material. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been replaced with uh, the use of drywall or gypsum board or or mm-hmm. plasterboard, whatever you want to call it. Um, the problem with these materials, generally speaking, is that a lot of these materials have a paper covering on them, oh. and that paper covering becomes a food source for mold.
0: Yes. <laughs> it just right? sounds like
1: a nightmare. Yeah, it is. But mm-hmm. this is what um, the painting contractors love it because you can you can get a really nice smooth finish on drywall because of that paper covering. Mm. Um,
0: so one liked-
1: contractor
0: likes it. And so that becomes right. the thing.
1: Well, that's pretty much it. You know, wow. it came out probably in the fifties and and since then it's just become the normal way of doing things. Good old fashioned plaster is just too expensive to do nowadays. Um, again, if you can afford it, awesome. That's the best way to go. Um, but kind of a middle ground, is to use what's called paperless drywall. So paperless drywall uh, is those big drywall panels. Instead of having the, the layer of paper on both sides, it has a thin, what's called a scrim of fiberglass embedded into the surface. And that's what holds it all together. It doesn't need that paper it's a little bit more difficult to install um it's heavier but it's also much more durable lasts a lot longer it's mus- much less susceptible to moisture and mold issues because there's no food source for the mold um it ta- it finishes a little bit differently but at the end of the day i think it's the the healthy middle ground between drywall and and old fashioned plaster and so uh, I like to use this on on homes, especially in those rooms where you need to have resistance to moisture, mold, bathrooms, and kitchens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, that was quite a journey. We managed to uh, build a house in an hour. Beautiful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I it's wish it was be a world easy. record. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Andy, for sharing your incredible expertise. Uh, I know everyone appreciates it so much and um, we'll, of course, send people to your show. You've done so many shows that really dive super deep into pretty much anything we've talked
1: about today. Um, Do you want to share
0: a little bit about that podcast?
1: I would love to. Thank you. It's called Non-Toxic Environments, three words, Mm -hmm. and it's available anywhere you find your your podcast now, uh, Spotify, iTunes, what have you. Um. Yeah, we kind of, you know, we nerd out on this yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, we'll spend a half hour talking about drywall. Mm. Not five minutes. We'll spend Yeah, a half yeah exactly. Hour. That's we'll why I wanted to mention
0: hour. it, because a lot of people listen to an overview show, which yes. wakes people up to the ideas exactly. and issues. But then they're exactly. like, exactly. Sugar, what do I do now? Like, I need to know everything <laughs> about this thing.
1: Right. Mm. And 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 so the other thing, too, is that we, we really encourage people to reach out to us. Um, either send me an email, um, you know, through one of my platforms. You can find me. Uh, please let me know. What do you want to hear about? You know, if you I've had people say to me, can you spend an entire show talking about, you know, nothing but healthy carpets or furniture or you know whatever it is I, yeah. i'll do a show on it i love it it's just i've been podcasting about healthy homes for about four and a half years now mm. um i i'm not certainly not bored of it i love doing it it's just that i love to podcast about what people are really interested in yeah and oh, i so get it yeah please reach out you know best way to do it is to comment when, when your show it gets put out people comment on, on Alex's show, what should we talk about in the future? Because, uh, you know, I, I'd love to know. I'd love to know what's a, a top of mind for people. But um, this has really been my pleasure. I, I absolutely love talking with you about these things. You're so easy to talk to about this, oh, and thanks, I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I I think it's probably because I've been a bartender in my past life. Hey, you know, it just, <laughs> I talk to everybody about anything. <laughs> but no, I think beginner's mind is my favorite thing to to bring into a, a podcast because I like to imagine a hundred people behind me saying, okay, so what does he mean by that? And then like knowing what those things are so that people really get it, right? We want people to feel comfortable and empowered, not freaked out and like, oh my God, my building's going to kill me. Um, that is not how I want people to end this show. So thank you so much for your vibe because that's exactly
1: what you bring to the table. It, yeah, I I try to do my shows in a, in a way that I'm not using a lot of, um, you know, industry terms and acronyms that nobody knows Mm. as if I'm speaking to any one of my clients face to face. Here's how we do it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andy. And good luck with your build. Thank you so much. I will definitely keep you uh, informed. Awesome. Well,
0: there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Life, uh, And, of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support, and community around leading a low tox life i can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the low tox club for just $49 australian per year which is about 29-30 us about 27 euro and about 25 pounds you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab and you'll see Join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.